Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Have a, uh, we have a guest, a special guest with us from Compassion International, and at the end of service, I'm going to have him come up, and and uh, I'll ask him kind of a few questions about this awesome ministry. Um, uh, Brother Oscar, I, I've gotten to know over the past few months, and, and uh, we, we've, gone, we've gone to lunch, and, and he's, a, he's an awesome guy, and I, and I love his heart, and, and this organization that he works for is a, is a very global organization. And um, we've actually done some stuff with them in the past. They've, they've helped us out uh, probably in ways that no one really knew about. Um, like during Harvey, they, they did some uh, disaster re- uh, relief and they helped us out a little bit. And, and so they're very good about connecting communities uh, with, with the local church. And, and so I'm going to we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the ministry here in a, in a bit. But um, I want to speak a little bit on this theme of, of compassion, because I think Everything that they do really speaks to the heart of God. And the church is also called to reflect that as well. Amen. It's not just these nonprofit organizations. It's, it's the church together as one body. And so I want us to go to, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And y'all know what? I don't like it when y'all are quiet. So I need some, I need some feedback this morning, all right? Just to kind of keep me, just keep me going. Amen. You got it? If you don't got it, I got you up here. Amen. It says this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for this word. That, that is so powerful, Father God. And I pray that we may take it, Father God, and we may consume it, Father God. I pray that this may be something, Lord, that we don't just hear, my God, but we, we, we apply, we live, Father God, to be the church, my God, that you have envisioned for your people, Father God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you be on my lips this morning, Father God, and that you be in our hearts as receptive to this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk about the heart of God this morning. The heart of God. You know, something, when we, when we read this text, something that we have to understand, anytime, anytime uh, we get into scripture, we have to, we have to come with this, with this realization that we are centuries removed and many cultures removed from the original audience to which the biblical authors wrote. We have to, we have to realize that, right? If you were to study what's called hermeneutics, um, that's the first thing that they're going to tell you, that when you're reading scripture, we have to consider the context. We have to consider the time. We have to consider the environment, the social norms, the customs, the political environment of that particular book. For example, when Paul says in Corinthians that women should wear head coverings in a worship setting, I don't see any of y'all with head coverings. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all don't read your Bibles? <laughs> Why, why is it like that? Why is it like that? 
right? It's because, it's because the symbolism of head coverings in that culture was tied to a woman's submission to her husband and the husband to Christ. We don't view head coverings like that anymore. That's why we don't wear them. That's why it's okay not to cover your head in the service because it's not, it's not disrespectful to our culture, right? This is what I mean. Cultures change. This doesn't mean that the word of God isn't applicable to our culture, but, but we have to be aware of the many cycles of change that have taken place from the time of the scriptures to now. And if, I think that if I were to provide a description of the church today, I think we'd get a lot of different answers, a lot of different answers. And I think many of those answers would be tied to, to what the church does rather than the identity of a church. But you got to think about it for a minute because the apostles, the apostles didn't know our version of church. They, they, they didn't know what Sunday morning church was. They, they didn't really know what going to church was. There's this quote uh, that says that if Jesus were on earth today, we would have to teach him how to do church. Ain't that the truth? I mean, before the lights, before the full band, before the stage, before the pews, and now we don't even have pews anymore. Now we have stadium-style seating to make our butts a little bit more comfortable, right? Before all of that, this was the church. It was simple, but it was powerful. It was driven by love, by compassion, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was this, there was this genuine love, man. There was this genuine compassion uh, for the fellow brotherhood and those who were deeply in need of Jesus. That was the church. And so I think just taken from Acts chapter two, verse 47, what we just read, if I had to come up with a simple definition of the church reflected in Acts two, it would be this. And I have it on the screen, a community shared, right? So, so kingdom minded, right? Not my kingdom, but God's kingdom. A community shared lifestyle, not a community shared day, not a community shared Sunday, a community shared lifestyle that brought honor to God by being, somebody say being, the extension of God's love and grace to one another. Again, a community shared lifestyle that brought honor to God by being the extension of God's love and grace to one another. It was not simply an assembly of people who went to a temple and worship. It was a community shared lifestyle that sought to honor God. That was the church then, and it should be the church today. Even with all the change that has happened, our core, our identity should not change. Amen? What, what, the, the, the church that Jesus called should be the church that is still living out that calling today. 2,000 years later. Now, I, I don't think it's helpful to be one of those people who despise change. And change is, it can be good. And the book of Ecclesiastes tells us to not ask those questions such as why were the old days better? Because that often ignores what God is trying to do today if you're always looking in the past. But change isn't bad unless it's bad change, right? And as time goes by, we have to realize that, that, that times change, cultures evolve, and, and, and as a result of that, the church will change because the church is full of people who have changed. And now that's why the church celebrates God in these different ways of worship that maybe weren't seen in the past. This is why. This is why we don't wear head coverings. This is why, at least in Pentecostal churches, 
The woman can be a teacher. I was having a conversation this past week with Pastor Danny, and we both agree that, you know, today there's so many different things gunning for your attention. I mean, we are a world full of distractions. You can't go anywhere without being distracted. You are the product of something. Someone wants you to buy something. Someone wants your attention. We are a world full of of distractions. I saw this statistic earlier uh, that said that the average American spends four hours a day watching TV. I hope hope you're not the average person. But that, that that is two months of nonstop TV out of your year. If you're 65 and you're that average American, you have spent nine years of your life glued to the TV. Puts things into perspective. The same thing is true about phones. Now, granted, I know that we can be productive on our phones, but how many of those hours are just spent scrolling through social media and watching videos and TikTok and all that stuff, like watching ads of things that you didn't even know you wanted, but because you saw it, you're like, you know what? I could use this. (laughs) We're a world full of distractions, full of distractions. And I was thinking this, though. I was thinking those distractions also create opportunities for people to be reached, right? And maybe God has spoken to you before through one of those means, through a Facebook post, through a podcast, through a film, through a meme. Like, because our world is changing, the church must identify these changes and still continue to reach, reach. And we've heard of so many different things. I I heard of Pastor Craig Rochelle's church. They, They did the first church service in the metaverse, which is so weird to me. So weird. But like, if that's where people are going to go, the church should not be afraid to go there. Because the Bible says, go into the world. Go into the world and reach and, and make disciples of all nations. We got to go to where the lost are. right? But here's the point that I'm trying to make. I'm kind of getting off, off track. The one thing that has not changed the one thing that will not change, millions of years can go by and the, and the world is still here. The one thing that will not change is the heart of God. Because God is not a changing God. He's, he's the same. He doesn't learn new things. He doesn't grow. He does not weaken. He is that one constant in an ever-changing world and a universe that wants to expand and grow colder and, and bring stars into existence that live a million years and then they die. God is that one thing that does not change. And if God doesn't change, his heart doesn't change. And so, so why is this important for us? It's important because the church must always Know what the heart of God is. And not just know what the heart of God is, but know it so that we can align our mission with its heart. What is the heart of God? Scripture reveals it. It's fellowship with his creation. It's fellowship with his creation. When God created man, he desired to create man. He willed it. He wasn't just sitting around one day thinking, you know what, I'm kind of bored. No, he desired fellowship. And the reason we know that he desired fellowship is because when Adam sinned, he could have chunked deuce and said, you know what? You screwed up. I'm gonna go start over. I'm gonna start another world. Right. But he didn't do that. What did he do? He began the process of restoration so that we could, we could, uh, we could commune again with God in his presence through Jesus Christ. 
God desires fellowship with you. He desires a relationship with you. I don't know if you know this, but you matter to God. You matter to God. People matter to God. And if people matter to God, they should matter to the church. Bless you. God loves a person that you don't like. God loves your enemy. God loves that girl that you got beef with. If people matter to God, they should matter to the church. Who are we as a church to turn our back to the people that God has told us to reach? You know, we get so caught up sometimes trying to have a good, like a good church that we forget that the church is more than just a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization. Like we, we can strive to have a good church with great services and great programs and something for the entire family. That's, I mean, that's, that's what we have at this church. But if we miss the heart of God, we've missed the point of church. And we're just taking up a couple hours here on a Sunday morning. So the majority of our meetings at church consists of, you know, what type of songs we should sing, what kind of events we should have, and how we can raise more funds. Nothing wrong with that. But if we're never asking the question, how can we reach the lost community? If we're not asking ourselves, how can, how can we reach a godless generation? We're not thinking about the orphan, the widow, the needy. I'm sorry, we're not building up God's kingdom. We're building our own. And my hope is, as, a, as a lead pastor of this church is that every ministry within this church is asking those types of questions. Because that, that's not just a part of the grand vision of, of Numa Church. That's a part of the grand vision of the kingdom of God. Many of the churches around the world, am I speaking to, to you this morning, Wake? A little quiet, man. Y'all a little quiet. You know, I'll get nervous when y'all get quiet. Many of the churches today have decided that they would rather <clears throat> build up than out. Remember the story of the Tower of Babel? What happens there? In Genesis 11, they, they desire to create this city for themselves. That's what, they, that's what they tell each other. Hey, let's build a city for ourselves with a magnificent tower so that we can make a name for ourselves. They wanted to build up. But, but when you build up instead of out, you forget about the people around you and only focus on the people inside. It becomes exclusive. And if it gets big enough and successful enough, it's like something that we're proud of. And we're like, look at what I built. Look at what I did. Come, come admire it. Don't take it from me because it's mine. It's my ministry. I started the church. I founded the church. I invested the money. It's mine. But you can look at it and be impressed by it. That's the problem with the building up mentality. God saw this problem real quick. And he said, you know what? We're going to confuse our language. We're going to scatter them all over the world so that they're forced to go out. He did the same thing in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the, the people, they, they were filled with the presence of God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, but they didn't leave the region. And so what God does, he, he brings persecution so that they are forced to scatter. Because God doesn't want us building these beautiful towers if only a few people are going to fit in it. Yeah. Pastor Ron, you got something against megachurches? No. No, I don't want <laughs> When I was saying this, I was like, man, they're going to think I have some against megachurches. Not even a little bit. Churches should grow. We should never be okay with not growing. And I believe that this church is going to continue to grow. But, 
But if we, if we lose ourselves along the way, if we just start making it exclusively about us and not the hurting people in need of Jesus, I felt as a pastor, we felt as a church. Because the local church, no matter how big, no matter how small, should always align its mission with the heart of God. Why? Because the heart of man is what? Deceitful. If we're going off of my vision and, and my heart, I can't trust my heart. Because Jeremiah says it's wicked and ill, and it just wants to do wicked. So instead, I have to look at the heart of God. Where do we get the heart of God? We look at it in the scriptures. It's right there. Like, we don't have to have this. We don't have to reinvent the wheel when it, when it comes to vision. We just have to read the scriptures and say, okay, that's what God wants. That's what we're going to want. If God loves the lost, we're going to love the lost. If God wants to reach people that, that, that need him, well, that, that needs to be what we do as well. I'm, I'm reminded, I'm reminded by, uh, of Isaiah, the first, the opening chapter of Isaiah. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Isaiah, but that, that, just that first chapter, it's, it's enough to, to really bring some conviction. Because he's speaking to a nation of leaders. He's speaking to a nation of people called by his name. This, this, this is the nation of Israel. These, these are God's chosen people. And he's talking to the leaders who have lost focus on what's important. They forgot about the oppressed. I want to read it. It's chapter 1 of Isaiah, beginning with verse 10. Pay attention. It says, listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. He calls them Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. What makes you think... I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord. I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and, and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash your hands and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans and fight for the rights of widows. I mean, that just. Because this is a nation of leaders that had spent so much time building up and not building out. This is a nation that forgot forgot about the people that God cared about the most. And they spent so much time taking from the people that, that were needy and building themselves up, making themselves rich and calling themselves blessed. Sometimes we think it's a blessing to be rich. Sometimes we're only rich because we were selfish. And that's not a blessing. <clears throat> this cannot become the church of today. 
Can I? Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> in ancient times, the, the, uh, the orphan and the widow, um, if you were an orphan and a widow in ancient times, basically it, it meant you would always have nothing. Like it was, it was a death sentence. You know, it, it's sad to think of, of orphans and widows today. But back then it meant that's it. Like you're, you're probably going to die that way. Because the orphan would not have a father to provide for him, and he would have no one to leave an inheritance for him. The widow would eventually die of starvation because without a manly figure in her life uh, to provide, you know, women didn't provide financially for their homes like they can today. And, and the people, people uh, that God called to be his people, they forgot about them. They forgot about the orphan and the widow. And now I want you to think about the spiritual significance today. Today, how many people die without their heavenly father? How many people are orphaned right now because they don't know their spiritual father in heaven? How many today will die without the, and knowing that they have an inheritance in heaven that was left to them by Jesus Christ and by the power of his blood? Because we have neglected God's heart. That's the reason. Because we who have been empowered and commissioned, who have this word that is so powerful and it could, it could cut through the depths of the soul because we have just spent time at church preaching to the choir. Their blood is on our hands. This is heavy, okay? I know. But how many people will die without even a correct view of what the church should be because of what the church has shown themselves to be? This past week, we were on uh, Channel 13 uh, News, if you still watch the news. Um, they, they, uh, They reached out this past Wednesday and they said, hey, can we come in and, and do an interview in regards to the break in that that happened a few weeks ago? Uh, they would come in a few hours. They didn't, they didn't even give me time to fix my hair. <laughs> right, Linda? <laughs> Inside joke. Uh, and, uh, and, um, and, and so, so they came and then, and they, they shared their, the interview on, on Facebook and Instagram. And you know, uh, the most entertaining part of the internet is the comment section, right? So, <laughs> so I went to the comment section and I saw some, some pretty funny comments and, and then I saw some other ones that were a little bit more uncomfortable and like, you know, the, the ones that you've kind of heard many times before stuff like, well, the church steals money from people every week. You know, they were just, you know, getting what was coming. Come on, sister. <laughs> and I, I'm, it's not, I'm not a stranger to those, those types of comments. Like I, I hear it all the time. Like People have so many negative things to say about the church. We don't realize it because we're surrounded by church folks all the time who love the church. But there's, there's people who are very antagonistic t- towards the people of God. And, and sometimes, you know, I hear these comments. And the first thing that happens in my spirit is I'm very annoyed and kind of angry. But then I just start to question, like, who painted that picture of the church for you? It had to be somebody. Like, 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 why do you think the church is just all about money? Why do you think, why do you think the church is full of hypocrites? Why do you think that? 
Why do you think the church is just a place to come and, and, and make you feel good, but won't really be there for you in a deep time of need? Why, why do you think the church frowns upon, upon outsiders? Why do you think that? It's got to be because at some point the image was projected like that of the church. Because the church, you know, the church does mess up sometimes, right? A lot of times because it's full of imperfect people. And you know what? If you have the honor of living a, a, a life full of faith, at some point, the church is going to hurt you. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Like, I, I want to get ahead of it, okay? I want you to know it's probably going to happen. And most of the time, the people who hurt you will not have meant to hurt you. Sometimes it will be a misunderstanding. Sometimes it would be someone misspoke. Sometimes you'll be in your head. They won't mean to hurt you. Other times, some people might mean to hurt you. Because you got some people with attitudes who come to church. You got some petty people in the church. You got some disrespectful people in the church. And if that happens to you, I want you to understand two things. Number one, understand that the church is not Jesus. The church is not Jesus. They're not the same. Jesus is that well-respected groom. The church is that crazy bride who everybody's like, why are you marrying her? Like, you can do so much better. <laughs> she crazy, bro, right? That's the church. That's the church. That's not Jesus. And number two, very important because sometimes we're like, you know what? I don't need Jesus. I'm sorry. I don't need the church. All I, all I need is Jesus. And so people, they're hurt by the church and they separate themselves from church. And they're like, you know what? I'm just, it's just going to be me and Jesus. I don't, I don't need the church. You need to realize that you are the church. You are the church. If you were adopted into the family of God, guess what that means? You are adopted into the church, into the body of Christ. You cannot separate yourself from your own body. And you cannot separate yourself from the body of Christ. You're not going to go to heaven and be like, God, can I get a separate room on this isolated island? I don't want to be around these people. <clears throat> if you have a problem with the church as a whole, realize that there's also a you problem. And I hate, I hate how the world sees us sometimes, man. I, I, hate, I, hate, I hate how we see us sometimes. We have to learn. We have to learn to love. What does Jesus say? This is the way that they're going to know that you're my disciples, by the way that you love by the way that you love, not, not, not by the way that you congregate, not by the way that you sing, not by, not by the way that you dress, not by, not by the way that you wear your hair down or, or you don't wear that much, not, not, not about anything on the outer, but by the way that you love. That's how they're going to know. That's how gonna, they're going to know. And you know what's sad? Sometimes the world shows more love than the church does. I heard a story of somebody who was very, were very big on, in giving and helping the poor and helping the orphans and doing just all kind of you know, community work. Someone asked them, you, you, you have a lot of love. Like you, you, you have a lot of compassion. You must be a Christian. They said, I actually don't believe in God at all. And I wonder if the church is giving off that same response, that, 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 that same 
question. They, they must be a Christian because of the love that they show. That's the heart of God, guys. That's the heart of God. If we miss it, we've missed the point. We have to have compassion. We have to learn that the heart of God is his people. <clears throat> and sometimes I think we think that we need like to have a, a, a position in the church because like if you're not serving in the church yet, maybe maybe you're maybe you're coming and you're learning and you're growing, right? But you're not you're not part of the mission yet. You're like, you know what? I'm not I'm not there yet. I don't know enough about Jesus yet. But the moment you come to Christ, you are adopted into this family and your work begins. Now you are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Stop saying you're not there yet. Because you think that you don't have you don't know enough about the word of God because you think I don't know enough about theology yet. So I can't be the mouthpiece of Jesus. You can tell somebody that Jesus loves them. You don't need a theology degree for that. You don't need to know the word extensively to tell people Jesus loves you. You don't need to have formal education or training to tell people your testimony and what Jesus did for you. And to tell people that Jesus had compassion on my life when I was dead in the trespasses of my sin. And I thought no one could save me. He showed me love. And because he showed me love, I'm going to show you love because I am the hands and feet of Jesus. I am the extension of the grace that God has shown me. It's, it's all of you. It's everybody. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the work begins. It could be as simple as that. Telling somebody Jesus loves you. Inviting somebody to church. It could be as simple as that. Don't think that because you're not teaching yet, you're not preaching yet, you're not, you're not a missionary, that, that you're not there yet. Align yourselves, man, with the heart of God. Align yourselves with the heart of God. The moment that Jesus enters your heart, build, build out. That's what God is saying this morning. Build out, not up. Build out. Reach. Reach out. And I want to close. I'm about to close. But I want to close with James 127. I think this sums up the heart of God perfectly in one sentence. This is something that we should all live by as Christians. James 1.27. What does it say? It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Did you get that? That is the heart of God. In a minute, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Brother Oscar come up here and you know, he's going to talk about this organization. Um, but before that, I, I want to do something. I want to invite you to stand. <clears throat> and any time, <clears throat> any time we give these types of words, the, uh, the altar calls feel different. And they feel different. The reason I think they feel different is because these are not altar calls where we say, God, come and fill me. It's not about me. The church has got to stop making things about themselves. I, I, I know that's a part of it. 
I know that you need to be filled. I know we all need to be filled with God. We just said it. You need to come empty so that you can be replenished. But how many of us here are walking with Jesus? Raise your hand if you're walking with Jesus. If you've got Jesus in your life, you got Jesus in your life. You're walking with Jesus. That doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you don't still struggle with stuff. But you are walking with Jesus. You know what a privilege that is? You know where you're going? You don't have a death sentence anymore. Heaven awaits you. You're blessed. You're blessed. Talking about, I got no money in my bank account. You are blessed. And we fail as a church to have compassion. It's not in us sometimes. It's not in us. And so, and so that's why when, when, when we give out words like this, you don't get a lot of amens. You don't get a lot. You don't get a really good ultra response because like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to ask for anything for myself. I got I to gotta talk about someone else. Yes, you have to align your heart with the heart of God. We have to say, God, break our hearts for the things that break yours. Because if my heart is not breaking when his breaks, I, I don't know if I know him. So God gave me a word because I, I really wanted to be strategic. I, I want to do an altar call, but I don't want you to come up here and be like, you know what, I'm just here to say a little prayer and I'm going to go back. No, I, I want this to mean something as a body. And so the, uh, the, God gave me a word, very specific. He said, reconfigure. Reconfigure. What does that mean? That means that we need to reconfigure our hearts so that they align with God's. It means that, that God, when I see the person who is in need of you, my heart breaks. Move me to tears, my God. Not, not simply by what you have done in my life, but, but because of what you can do in the life of the person who doesn't know you yet. Reconfigure my heart to have compassion. Because that is what God had for you. That is what he had for me. He didn't have to die for us. He didn't have to extend grace to us. Jesus did not need to come on this filthy earth to die for for people like you and me. But he did because he loved you and because he has compassion. And that same compassion he is calling you to carry in your heart. In the workplace. In your schools. Wherever you are. In the church. Outside the church. I know, man. I know it's, it's hard to, it's hard to love people we don't know. It's hard. I mean, I, I think of, I think about my family. I, I, I have people that I pray on rotation for. And, and when I say their names, I, I begin to, I begin to bawl these, these tears of just brokenness. But I want that for every person who doesn't know Jesus. What if we did? What if we saw everybody with the eyes of Christ? That is my mission. That is that, that is my heart. Something else that was kind of funny is on, on the comment section. <laughs> everybody wishing the brother the worst, you know. And yes, he needs to be brought to justice. 
He needs, he needs to learn from this. But I genuinely want to see him come to Jesus. Is, is, that, is that okay? Does that make me soft? Does that make me weak? Was God weak when he saw Adam and Eve and said, you know what? It's going to be all right. We're going to make a way for them. Was God being weak in that moment? We have to learn how to soften our hearts for even our enemies, for even those who persecute us and extend love to them that they probably have never received from a, from a father figure, from a mother figure. Extend love to them that is so overwhelming they cannot, be, they cannot help but to fall on their knees and surrender to Jesus. What if that was the church? What if that was the church that said, I want to build out, not up? So what I want to do this morning is as, as one body, as a church, I'm going to ask everybody to come up here without hesitation. And we're going to ask God to reconfigure our hearts. God, align our hearts with yours. Align our hearts with yours. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.